Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. All right. Welcome back, you guys. Glad you could be with us here today on The Screenwriting Life. Um, You know, if you're listening to us as your excuse not to write, welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Um, Our topic today is making excuses. You know, what we tell ourselves to justify not writing, not committing, not pushing forward through the hard parts. Or, Or the big parts. Like being a writer at all, right? Sometimes. Yes. Um, okay, but first, let's get to our week, or what we call adventures in screenwriting. Lorian, how was your week? Uh, my week has been amazing um, as a writer. Um, on Monday, I laid down an outline for a new project, and on Tuesday, I did the barf draft. Barf draft. And I have what's that? Barf draft. Yay! Barf draft. I puked it all out. Um, and, uh, you know, it was too long, it was messy, parts didn't make sense, but I've been spending like every minute I have available for the rest of the week trying to turn it into a first draft. And what's happening is I've become obsessed. So I am jealous of any time I'm not spending on writing, um, and which is making me a little crazy and uh, uh, unbalanced a little bit. But it's like, such a good when, sign. It's such a good sign that you're in it. You've got it. You've got the. You've got in the river. What other metaphor can I use? You've got the brass ring. <laughs> and I will say that might seem really fast, like outline on one day and a barf draft on another day. But this is a project that I have been thinking about and trying to crack for a really, really long time. And I finally found a way in. So it feels like it's all sort of pour, pouring out. And I don't. I don't often get to feel this way. So what I really want to do is like go away for a couple days, like check into a hotel and just focus on this. That is Nothing the dream. Else. That is the dream. What? And I'm trying to figure out how to do it and how to shake off all the excuses I'm coming up with about why I can't do it. So we can talk about that when we get into the topic, <laughs> but that's pretty much what I've been doing this week. And it has gone by, like all of a sudden it's Friday. I don't know how the week went by this fast. I'm totally behind on my email. I don't, you know, I'm just uh, sort of, I, all I've been doing is writing, That's because you're is a amazing. writer. Yes, you're going to be behind on your emails and <laughs> not have gone to the grocery store and because you're in it. And when you're in it, you got to stay in it. It's so exciting. I'm so excited for you. Yes. That you're yeah, there. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, and then I'm afraid, though, there's a piece of me that if I walk away from it for any amount of time, that I'll lose it. Right, so I'm trying, or I'll start to judge it. And uh, so I'm trying really hard to not do that, to just continue. I mean, I'm just seriously on the first draft, right? I'm just trying to put together, take what I have in the puke draft and and put it together so that it makes sense. Yeah, and by the way, first drafts are still mostly not what it's gonna be, meaning it's still a a little prepubescent state. It's still just an exploration. Right? It's still right. about curiosity. It doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't should. There's no shoulds yet. It's a first draft. And I know it's hard for our brains to do that, but now you're just laying down the rocks in the river. So I'm just so excited for you that you have found a story, a concept, 
that's clicking to the point that it's starting to self-generate. It's starting to just throw ideas up, right? Like, yeah. do you re I yeah. remember at Pixar when that would happen in the room, right? Do you remember that? Like, you'd, yes. you'd be going around and around and around. You've eaten a lot of cookies and, oh, my God. And <laughs> all of a sudden, like, somebody throws out half an idea and another half an idea comes from somebody else. And all of a sudden, the whole room would go whoosh, and everybody would just right. start throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing because we got it. We got a concept, a story, idea that created its own momentum, its own ideas. And that's, to me, the gold. I, I just love when that happens. Yeah. yeah, so it feels like magic, and I don't want to lose it. So I'm doing everything I can to sort of honor what I'm doing without being too precious about it. And... Um, uh, then I have to find a little balance because I do have responsibilities. Like I do have to pay attention to my kid and my husband at some point and look at my emails and, you know, like, so I'm trying to figure out what that is. Um, I think that's so great. Yeah. I mean, I think, I do think, because I knew now what the concept is, <laughs> uh, I do <laughs> think the concept itself is going to be there. I mean, it's not going anywhere. It's a great concept. It is going to keep firing. You've got it. That's just my humble opinion, having knowing it. But I also think, you know, there's that trick that Hemingway did where he would stop his day in the middle of a sentence, um, or so the myth goes, who knows, um, which is about keeping the brain moving, right, as you're not actually writing. And I, it's funny because I'm doing that right now because just this morning I came up with a scene that I was like, oh my gosh, this is really fun, but I haven't written it yet. Like it was an idea that I, I just quickly beat out, like, okay, ba 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 and just a jumble of ideas, but I'm not going to write it maybe until Monday because I want to, I want to be able to, like you said, step back into that river. I need a, I need an access point to get back into the excitement of that river. So yeah. I'm going to actually move on to some other problems I'm having so that <laughs> with the script so that on Monday I can enter and have fun and play because I know I like the scene, right? It's so funny. Of course, I wrote the scene and immediately my anxiety was like, well, it's not even going to be in the movie anyway. So what does it really matter? Like it's so <laughs> fast, but that um, switch over, but um, yeah. I'm just, I'm so happy So how was you. your week other than that Well, it's that funny, um, my son just walked up here and he was like, well, the, well, this is week is ending a lot different than it started. Cause you know, they're homeschooling. So every day at 1120, he has a break and every day he walks into my office at 1120. And um, which is great. And one of the best parts of COVID is I get to have my teenage son with me every day at 1120. Um, and he was like, you started the day with a sadness tuba. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> no, sorry, the week. That's like, that's how you started your week. <laughs> he wants to be a composer, so he's really into scores. And I was like, yes, I did. I don't know. I, I just did. I, I, my week started a little bit hard for some personal um, reasons that really made me foggy. You know, some mm -hmm. things that were going on in my life with my family that were concerning to me and disappointing. And I... Um, it fogged me up, really it did, because you know, your creativity and your heart, it's all attached, right? So when something emotional yeah. is happening in your life, it can get foggy. I still sat down, I still worked. I think I'm also tired. I think I was starting to hit a wall because I've been working a lot of weekends. And you know, your brain just, I think I've been sprinting a marathon and I just got tired. Um, I was also at a point in two projects where I literally was like, I don't know. Like I know mm. all the problems, I know, what doesn't work, but I don't know how, what to do about any of them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, it's rewriting because that's what happens. Like, okay, I see the problems, but I don't know 
how to make it better. You know, we talk about this, Lauren, like not just different, but better. <laughs> I can make it different, <laughs> that no problem, but will it be right. better? Um, and I just couldn't get And it's get really access. hard to see that when you're in it. Like I was working on the script on Wednesday and I was like, I can't tell if I'm making it different or better or worse, right? And I just had to keep going, but that's so painful, not, not being aware enough to know. Yeah, and that, unfortunately that is part of the process is that unawareness and that you can't get any perspective on it is part of artistry um, because I think artistry doesn't want you to always have awareness of it because it's coming from an unconscious part of your brain. So you you literally just have to trust. And I just started what I call, I started to chunk it out. Like, okay, I don't know like where these ripples are gonna go. I don't know, I don't know, but okay, in this scene, if I change it to this, what does that mean for her? Well, what is she going to say? Like, I literally just went down into the details and just started chunking it out piece by piece into one scene. And then I got a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, okay, that's going to ripple into this scene. Okay, chunk (laughs) it out. Like, it's literally like going up a mountain, right? Where it's like, put your pick in the wall, right? I love when people say that they write from inspiration and they just write and write and write. I'm like, I, ne- like, I love when that happens, like what's happening to you, Lorraine, where it's coming really fast. But that is not always writing. And for no. sure, that isn't always rewriting. Rewriting is, you know, picking the wall, hoist yourself up. I literally did it just scene by scene, scene piece by scene piece and let it. And I would go from, I tried not to go at 30,000 feet for this because every time I went up too high and looked at all the ripples, I would freak out. So I just stayed down in the details, um, you know. And the other thing I did that I wanted to share with you guys is on a different project, I um, have a character that I could tell that she was really just archetypical and giving a lot of information, but she she just didn't have character yet, uh, you know. I didn't. She wasn't specific. She wasn't. I wasn't meeting a person. I was meeting an archetype, and I, you know, I knew the call to action was that. Uh, the person I'm working with really wanted her to be charming, which I know is so hard. It's like, oh my God, that's like the hardest thing you could ask me to do. Like, make this person charming. Oh my God, like that's hard. (laughs) Um, So what I did was I had already done all the research on the archetype. I'd watched the movies that have this archetype in and how other people had done it. And I I knew how the archetypes generally moved and who was around them and a little, little, little. I knew all that, but that doesn't give me a character. That gives me an archetype. So Mm -hmm. I did a lot of documents and it's funny because so for the week I felt like I'm doing nothing because I wasn't writing quote unquote pages, right? I was writing these documents and they're half documents of on her character. Like um, I just, I wrote down the insights I had on the archetype and then I wrote, I was like, okay, so this archetype usually presents as naive or an expert. Okay, well, if she's naive, what does that do in my story and who would that be? And if she's an expert, who would that be and what does that do to the story? And well, I really kind of do need her to be the expert. Okay, well then the next thing I did is I went to actors. I'm like, okay, so now I have this archetype. I want her to be this piece of this archetype. She's gonna be an expert. Okay, what just for fun, what actors would be super fun that could just do the, you know, could just knock this out of the park, right? And I I just thought of three of them. And I actually, when I was driving to meet you, Lorian, I just listened to podcasts of them talking. You know, they're not acting, they're just talking, they're just being themselves, right? And it just, and, and they're different people, but it just starts to fill my brain with a voice and voices. And then I went and I opened a, pa- a blank page and I just did stream of consciousness, let this character talk to me, 
like I, I, it doesn't have to fit anywhere. It didn't. She. I was like, okay, I know you're going to enter the scene here, and she just started talking to me. And sometimes That's she awesome. just talked as if it was she was talking to nobody, and sometimes she to, spoke to the characters that I knew she was going to interact with. And now the voice is starting to come, right? And I'm starting mm-hmm. to see her and how she sees things and what she does. And then I went and wrote the scene. And then I forgot about everything that I did and just tried to let the scene be a writer. Like, right. be a writer in the scene. I'm standing in this room. She's walking in. Okay, now I'm in her perspective. What does she want? What is she trying to do here? What is her intention in the scene? What is she trying to win? What is blocking her? But not any of those thoughts, just that emotionally. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not writing thinking yeah. intellectually, what does she want? But I'm trying to emotionally feel what's important yep. to her and how she's trying to convince them, right? What her and thought think- process and verb- verbiage would be to convince them. Um, so it just really That's helped. such a great way to think about character want in terms of character motivation, that it's not, I want to get this thing. It's where is she, how is she entering the room? Where was she? Why does she want the, what she wants? Like, what's her motivation? Um, and what you know, just she, from a, yeah, what does she feel is going to happen if she doesn't get it? And, you, yes. know, it, you know, and, you know, actors love layers and there's a reason for it. Like, she's presenting one face, but I really know the desperation behind what she's presenting, right? She's presenting herself as an expert, but I know because I know her now. And it's like, it's the how she's going to do it that starts giving the specificity of character, right? Like, mm-hmm. I should be able as a writing exercise to give students, here's the archetype, here's what they want, here's what's going to block them. Do five different, totally different characters. Do ten. Do Because they should all be so specific how they enter the room, how they speak how they get it. I mean, that is what the writing is. And it's so funny because I get so up in my head about the math of the story, right? That mm-hmm. I forget the fun of just writing a great character. <laughs> and right. you know, and it suddenly becomes intimidating because I've been so in my math brain that I'm like, I just had to let her, I just had to let that flow and, um, you know, just do it. And this is, do this it. a, it's an interesting exercise. When I was acting, we used to do that in rehearsal. Like, uh, the dialogue is the same, but different uh, motivations change the way the reading is, changes the way you interact with the other person in the scene. And it was such a fun way to discover those layers, right? To be like, oh, she's actually thinking multiple things right now. It's not just the single-minded, she's worried about this, she's got this over here. And just doing the scene over and over in so many different ways, it was such a great way to discover that complexity. Well, and I did, and um, it's such a great point. Number one, I do think if you're a writer, you should take an acting class just so you understand it and, and know what she's talking about, because it's really important. But I literally wrote this scene, which is maybe a two or three page scene. Um, well, it's probably four, but it should be two. But it doesn't matter. See, there it goes. <laughs> there goes the math. The math just jumped in. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment. I did not allow myself to think that. I wrote it, I don't know, you guys, this week I wrote it maybe, I don't know, eight times. Uh, I wrote the archetype. I wrote the archetype, a little less of an archetype. I wrote, and then I did, and I just kept let. and then all of a sudden she came, and she was standing there, and she is charming, and, you know, what I want is a character that I don't want to leave the screen, right? Mm-hmm. Even, by the way, if this is an antagonist, it doesn't matter what their role is. I want a great introduction and I want that to want to see them on the screen. So when they leave, a little part of you goes, oh, right? Uh, 
like that's the goal to me, right? In terms of that, make a great character, quote unquote. Um, and is it easy to do that? No, <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy. Right. Um, but that's the goal. That's the fun. That's the fun of getting it. So by the, by the by today, the reason I'm not, um, as my son says, you know, looking like, or sounding like the sadness tuba, is uh, I I got it, and I and I she's walking and talking, and is the scene perfect? No, it, no, it's two pages too long. There's way too much exposition. Blah 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 blah. But I feel like okay, I can, I can do this now. I can, I can write versions of this and have fun, right? Um, so it's I'm ending on and up, but it's funny because okay. the whole week I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not producing pages. I have a deadline. Oh my god! And I just was really beating myself up. But in fact, I was doing stuff. Like I wa- I needed to do all that stuff. I needed to take all that time to honor the character to find her. Right? Like yeah. she deserved that time for me have, to concentrate on her. I have two scenes in this script that I keep rewriting. And as I'm rewriting one of them, I know it's not going to be in the final script, but I can't stop rewriting it. And I don't know why yet, so I just keep doing it. Now, there's another scene that I've rewritten several times because it is so delicious. And but I realize it's just me. It's not, it's not my character, it's me having fun, saying the things I wish I could say in that situation. And today I realized, oh, I know why this scene isn't in my script. It's actually one line in this other scene, right? Everything, these four pages I was working on and just having so much fun, it was like, oh, I know what this is about, right? But I had to keep rewriting it and rewriting it and trying to figure out like, and then this morning when I was working on it, I was like, oh, this isn't her. This is not her character. This is me. And then, oh, right. That, and then I was happy to let it go. It wasn't that painful um, but because you I had so to, much fun, you had fun writing it. You played and you had to write it in order to get that line yeah. so that you could yeah. know it in your bones. You know, she could, you know, the characters can enter you in your consciousness yes. enough that they can take on a life of their own. So it isn't wasted time. I know yeah. I say that. I think that all the time. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so it but, was yeah. a real process. It was a real process. I'm also process. I'm also avoiding the back the bottom of the sorry my dog is barking. <laughs> I'm also avoiding the um, end of the script. Right? So I'm spending all this time like <laughs> I have to rewrite this scene a hundred times to figure out what it is. Meanwhile I'm like, Oh no, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. I think I'm doing um, a little of that myself. <laughs> I have to be honest. The excuses, right? We're making yeah. excuses why we can't go into the... I do need the ramp. I need the ramp to get to the end. Because yeah. when you write the end, by the way, we're going to come back and rewrite everything. But it's fine. Yeah. We just have to get to the end to get to the beginning. Yeah, um, and that's when I think that first scene I keep rewriting is going to be like, bye, <laughs> you're no longer in my script. Now I know why. Now I know why. Gosh, I love that too, because I feel like it, it gives yourself permission as a writer to explore and I think like the most fun thing about writing is the surprise that you can bring yourself like it's so much fun when you give yourself permission to just be in the room with your characters and all of a sudden you type you write something and you're like wow like not only did I not know that character was going to say that but like I'm proud of myself as a writer for generating that. It's that's kind of the fun discovery process and I think it's the opposite of the chains we sometimes feel when we're doing the math like you talk about Meg. I think the surprise is like that's so much of the joy of writing to me. Yeah, it's why I do it, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love telling stories and doing I I'm a story math junkie, I admit it. Um 
but boy, that surprise is why you keep going, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because it's like meeting somebody yeah. in your head. It's <laughs> 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 so great. Um, yeah. Totally. All right, Jeff. It's well, speaking of surprising, you guys always manage to outdo yourselves with these reviews. I just, um, it's so, I say it every week, but like, it's fun to be a podcast producer of a community of writers because y'all just rock. You guys are great writers. So I'm going to read some of these incredible reviews you sent our way. I always want to say that if we don't read your review on air, I want to assure you that we've read it. Um, it's part of the engine that really helps get us excited for this show, but there's three great ones, so I'm going to read all of them. I'll try to keep it quick, but uh, it's, you know what? I'm not going to try to keep it quick because your writing deserves to be heard. Uh, this first one comes from Hobo Stealth Master. Um, I love that. I want to know more about you, Hobo Stealth Master. Um, he or she says, empowering, um, binged the first seven episodes and can't wait to get up to speed. I have two puke drafts written, as Meg calls them, and I'm just breaking into the world of screenwriting. I often drop my work entirely because the imposter syndrome takes too tight a grip. Don't let it do that, Hobo Stealth Master. This podcast has really empowered me to trust my instincts and develop my own unique writing process. That's beautiful. Yes, we need your yes. stories. Please write yes, them. Yes, keep writing. Um, next is Gobstopper, who says, this is the highlight of 2020. Out of all the chaos that's been 2020, that's an understatement, I feel like one of the few bright lights has been both Meg and Lorian and this podcast. I found the podcast after listening to Meg's masterclass for Sundance, where I really connected with her explanation for discovering theme and story. Since then, I followed every episode of the podcast, and not only has it been a nice reprieve of the collective daily anxiety this year has brought, but each episode is almost like its own mentorship masterclass on topics beginning screenwriters actually want to learn about. I'm so excited to see where this show goes, and I am forever grateful for the indirect mentorship, Megan Lorian. Nice. You're welcome. Um, Thank you. Last one is from Menda, and there is an accent over the E, so I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Um, it might be more like Menda, but I'm not also going to butcher it, so uh, maybe I'll cut yeah. this part out. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> um, he or she says, you will become a better writer. It's a grounding and empowering privilege to be guided by these incredible women. The podcast has been a rock and a comfort to me amidst the intense levels of stress during these times. Megan Lorian, I've become a better writer because of you. Your show is truly the best screenwriting podcast out there. I recommend it to every writer I know. Thank you for what you do. And one thing I want to acknowledge about this review, which we're so grateful for, is that you shared it. Um, as this podcast continues to change your life as it has mine, and even as it has Megan Lorian's, sharing it is the way that really you grow a podcast audience. Um, podcasting is kind of an intimate, community-based medium. And so telling your friends, especially you know, in your writers' groups, your other creative friends, and it doesn't just have to be writers. I think cr any creative can really benefit from this show. So we thank you for your service and helping share it. And uh, you know we're missional, so... We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so yeah, much. Thank it's, you. It's going to help us keep going and, mm -hmm. and keep doing what we do. Um, so, and, you know, give us our, the reviews on the Apple uh, podcast. Uh, what is it, a sheet? Is it a... Schmozzle. Schmozzle? It's a schmozzle, ah, yes. It's a schmozzle. <laughs> yeah, just so That's other people... official <laughs> technical term. Yes. Yeah, just so other people can find us. I'm really interested in the writers out there who aren't in L.A., who are all over the country and all over the world. And I want them to have a chance to be able to find us too so that we can help them and take their questions. So, mm -hmm. um, all right. So topic of the day, which is making excuses. Making excuses. We are experts at this. Okay. Master, master level. Master making level excuses. making excuses. That's right. So, yes. um, you know, 
by excuses, what do we mean? I have, you know, specifically for writing, you know, like I have too many ideas. I don't have enough ideas. I have too much time. I don't have enough time. I can't ever finish. This is no good. Um, I, you know, I have to go do this because somebody's sick. I can't turn, you know, anything in unless it's perfect. Like money, time, what lots and lots of ways uh, to make also excuses. also like I need to have everything just perfect in a certain way or I can't write right like I have to have this particular hot tea and it has to be this weather or this temperature right it's all sort of a conspiracy <laughs> right and then you're like <laughs> I don't get anything brain. and then you're like I don't get anything done right what an, right. I'm not getting anything done um you know and I think for me in thinking about this topic, um, you know, it's a, and I, I want to say it is a little different and it, than procrastination. We're going to do a separate show on procrastination. Um, as my friend Jonathan defined it, like procrastination, you will do it. You're just delaying <laughs> doing it. Right. Versus we're talking about making excuses of that you're not doing it. You're right. literally not doing it and you're kind of not intending to do it because you're making excuses about why you're not doing it. Um, and that's really what we're talking about. And, you know, in thinking about it, I think that really we're talking about anxiety. You know, underneath these excuses, what's there? Like if this was a character and we had to think about the character of making her, these excuses, I would probably see anxiety. I would see a lot of fear. Um, usually, especially for writing, there's a, a sense of that you're not competent right? Like why bother? It'll just be bad. Um, yep. I think it can be overwhelm, right? Mm -hmm. the, the thing you're trying to take on feels too big. Maybe you bit off more than you can chew, or at least that you're telling yourself that, but you have a sense of overwhelm. And, you know, to me, it comes down to your, your a fear of failure often, right? Mm -hmm. And self-doubt, right? And the self-doubt is generating a lot of excuses to protect your heart um, about how not to face that self-doubt. Um, yeah. And another thing I, I, I've seen in a lot of young writers is they've made a commitment to their dream, be that because they're going to school to be a writer or they've started to write or they've made a declaration or they moved to LA or whatever, even just interiorly they've said, okay, I'm gonna do it. And immediately the excuses rise, right? Because there's such a, there's a real danger of loss when you start to go for your dream because as long as you don't go for it, it always is perfect. You can always imagine, well, what would have happened, right? But as right. soon as you actually take that first step in and you actually don't have to do it, you find out, oh, well, <laughs> it's a lot harder than I thought, and I'm going to fail yes. a lot, and I'm not, you, you're, I'm going to let myself down. All those things start, the reality of it um, can erase that dream of you being a genius, honestly, right? Like, it, it's that mm -hmm. space in between uh, the reality of going after a dream and, and what it's going to be like. Like, we talked about the mountain, the pick up the mountain and who you mm -hmm. are versus the dream of who you could have been. Um, right. And I think oftentimes, it's facing that. And, you know, I've been writing now for years and I still face that, right? I took on this project because I was going to kick its ass and I was going to be great. And now I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, this is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and that space just collapses, right? Um, right. 
But the difference is I took the job and I'm sitting down every day. That is the only difference. Like that, that space between the dream and the reality still arises. Um, uh, it's just the excuses, you have to kind of look at them. And I have a list of things that I think you can do if you're an excuse maker. Mm. Um, what, what is it for you? What's making excuses for you, Lorian? I think uh, for me, it's what you talked about, fear of disappointing everyone else. You know, I, you know, I do a great job of convincing other people I'm a writer, right? I have people convinced I'm a writer. They have, they're convinced I'm a, such a great writer who've never read me, right? Just by the force of my personality, I've convinced them that I'm a great writer, right? But then having to um, actually deliver on that is terrifying because I've done such a good job of convincing people that what if I'm not? What if, what if it's just because people like me, right? So then I start to make excuses to support that, right? I, and, but it all comes for fear. I mean, for me, I, it all comes from fear for me. Um, and it's that fear of disappointing and it's the, the fear of it sucking and how hard it is. I mean, really, I think for me, that's the core of it. Um, and what I see in other people is it's hard and the fear of facing that, that you can't just, you don't just sit down and write a first draft and then a second draft. You have to do all that work, writing the pages that never end up in your script, right? All that stuff. And there's just a lot of excuses, especially if you have difficult circumstances, right? Like money is a huge thing, um, taking care of someone who's ill, taking care of your kids. And then instead of finding an hour to write, you just don't do anything. So, Lauren, um, I think your your microphone is scraping on something. I don't know if you can hear hair. that, Jeff. I, I, I totally hear you, Lauren, and I think that's a really good insight that often what you can make the excuse out of is valid. Like, uh, well, mm -hmm. I have to, I have kids and I have this and, and money and that's all valid. But it's like we say, well, a, a, an hour isn't, an hour won't do anything. And I'm like, right. you know how much an hour will do? A lot, a lot. Yes. Um, just do the hour. So I don't buy the excuse. You know what I mean? Like you can do it. Um, and it's funny because, right, Lorian, when you're on fire, when the concept is starting to bubble, you sure find the time. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> right. right. I haven't done anything else. It's, right? right? I've, it's the I fear that creates else. the excuse, right? Um, yeah. I also think it's a, it's a low tolerance for discomfort sometimes. Mm-hmm that you haven't actually grown the muscle of feeling that discomfort and staying in it. So you yeah. feel like, well, the discomfort must mean I shouldn't do it or I need to make an excuse so I don't feel the discomfort. But that is all writing and art is, is, st is being able to stay in that discomfort. Like it's a different kind of lava, right? Like there's the lava that you're going into your script to dig up for story. And then there's just the lava of sitting in the discomfort of uncertainty of mm -hmm. of projecting forward oh my god what could happen which you have to stop doing right so it's, it can also be a self-fulfilling mechanism you know it's going to be terrible i can't do anything then you don't do anything and then you get to feel bad about yourself yeah you're projecting right? like forward this, yeah yeah um and then you beat yourself up you know this fraud syndrome plays into that um, because the opposite is when you do sit down and write for that hour, you feel so powerful and so amazing, right? But if you gave up and did who knows what for that hour, made all the excuses, oh, I desperately have to look at Twitter and be freaked out, 
right, then you just sort of reinforce that negative idea about yourself that you can't do it. Yeah, and then or that it you moves. shouldn't do it or that it's too hard, right? And honestly, I've spent weeks in that place of coming down to my office and not doing anything because I feel paralyzed um, for for all the reasons, you know, all the reasons that we've talked about. And, um, and then just making myself write anything for 10 minutes can make me feel, um, like I said, powerful, back in it, like a writer, someone who can own my own path. And I think that's part of it too is when we make excuses, we're, we're saying, oh, all these other things got in my way. It was out of my control, right? But when we take control of it and we figure out how to find that hour, then it's scarier because now we're the ones driving our own narrative. Yes, we can't be the victim of circumstance anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't have the mm-hmm. excuse anymore, right? Yeah. Which, yes, is scary. Uh, because now you're in discomfort, now you're in uncertainty, now you're in a place where you have to hand pages to somebody, if you're a student to your teacher, if you're just doing it on your own to your friends or your writer's group or whatever, and that can be the reason you're not writing because you don't want that moment, that moment of discomfort um, of people responding, right? Just to get notes is why you're not, because you presented yourself as a great writer and now, oh my God, everybody's gonna see that I don't know anything, right? Like, I totally get that, but that, you know, I just wanted to say that Hollywood is littered with dreamers who didn't get their shit done. Litter, they're everywhere because they're people who got caught in the self-loathing cycle and made so many excuses, right, that they just stayed dreamers. Yep. My wife, this is it just quickly, she works at a production office. It's a comedy show she works at, um, and... One of the jokes is every single person on that staff has a headshot. So they found everyone's headshot and lined them up on the walls. And I guess the idea is whether you're a production coordinator or whatever, and there's no shame in working amazing above the line jobs that aren't creative. Um, But the idea is, it's just that idea of everyone maybe came here with a very specific idea of where they envisioned themselves in this industry. And at some point they let it go. And, and mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the letting it go. Like, of course, there's dreams that don't work out, and I never want to say that that doesn't happen. But a lot of times it's because you're letting it go, you know, um, because you're not, you're making excuses every day, and the days are going by, you know. And it's because you are judging your own process. You're judging the value of the discomfort. You're judging what you're producing. And, you know, I just want to say that, you don't, you're making excuses because you don't want to be judged, but you're already being judged by yourself. You're already doing to yourself. It's so funny, like when I was a young, when I was an executive and trying to write on the side, I made so many excuses and I had them, I had so many excuses. And, um, you know, a friend of mine said to me, well, so what are you afraid of? And I'm like, well, that I won't be able to write. And she's like, but you're not writing. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I think we've, haven't we all had that conversation? <laughs> I'm literally doing to myself what I'm afraid of, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she said to me, okay, well, um, I'm going to say to you, you're not allowed to write. And I was like, what? And she was like, no, you're not allowed. Because the other great solution to making excuses is to get mad. <laughs> I'm just well, saying. Like, I was like, oh no, I can write. Like, do not tell me no. Like, I have this thing in me. Do not tell me I can't. Because I'll be like, oh really? I will show you. And it really, it really helped me. Because, you know, sitting in that discomfort, 
sitting in that uncertainty and all the reasons that you don't want to be there, if you don't do it, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to learn new skills and to solve problems and to evolve. Like what, Lauren, what you're talking about is you're not going to get to competency and confidence and ultimately mastery, if that ever is a thing. Um, you're never going to get to the other side. If you don't, right. if you keep making excuses, the excuses are getting you nowhere. Excuses manifest nothing, right? That's right. You've got to risk the self-doubt. You have to risk other people seeing your true self, you, who you are as a writer, what you don't know. You have to risk exposing what you're not good at yet. Always put the mm -hmm. word yet at the end. You're just not good at it yet because you're gonna sit there and you're gonna work on it and someday you're gonna look back and you're gonna be like, oh my God, I'm good at this now or I'm better at this. Like you, there's yeah. no way to even know what you're good at and what you're not if you're just making excuses of not doing something. And right. I know that eventually what happened to me when I stopped making this, these excuses was it became more painful to not do it than to do it and try to get to that place, right? Like try to be honest with yourself about your art and your dreams and your heart and your longing because all of that is a universe speaking through you that you have something to say to the world. We need your stories, but if you're making excuses, we're not getting them. So I'm not saying to you it's gonna be easy when you sit down, it is not, it is not. But it's also going to be wonderful like what you guys were talking about when it suddenly takes on a life of its own and you get one amazing scene. Yes, the rest of it doesn't work at all. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right? Because I don't know what you think that you can't, you, that, you know, the other thing is like any other craft in the world, you would have to work years and 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 years to learn to be a glass blower at a level to go into a museum. Imagine. Why do you think? that you're in college and you should be able to write that well already, right? Like there's this distance between the craft and the work and the layering of skill that has to happen and this idea of who you need to be. So I want you to close that gap by stop making excuses and sit down and do it. So I went through and I was thinking about, okay, what can we give them to be practical if you're an excuse maker? Um, I'm, I'm taking notes, by the way. <laughs> well, these are just some <laughs> ideas I had. Um, so, you know, I think the first thing you have to do is accept that you are an excuse maker. Because hating yourself for making excuses puts you back in the loop. Right? It'll put you back in the loop of rejection and judgment, and you're going to make excuses. So the very first thing is accept, okay, I make a lot of excuses. You do. Okay. No, it's nothing. Okay. Great, now we're in reality. Now we're present with who you are and where you're going on. Now next, let's get quiet for a minute. And maybe you're gonna journal, but I want you to sit with the feeling of not wanting to do it, of making the excuses. Because underneath there is some gunk that probably your writing needs because it's actually lava, it's actually gold. So be brave, this is the artistry, and sit in the resistance. Even if you can just feel it like 10%, right? Write, free, don't, don't stop writing. Let it, give it a voice if you want. Make it a character, right? Let it, I also want you to get it out, right? It's like kind of like puke it up so that you can get past it too. 
that it can transform. It needs to transform into a character for you. It needs to transform into something to give you back something positive because it's gunky, right? And I know that underneath the gunk can be darkness and maybe you're afraid to go there and maybe you need to go to therapy in order to deal with it. I, you know, again, sometimes when you get into gunk, it can be a long tunnel. I was just listening to a Leslie Jones um, podcast and she said um, that she's like, therapist, why would you be afraid of a therapist? It's just like changing the oil in your car. I'm not a mechanic. I need someone to help me change the oil. And I was like, oh my God, that's exactly right. Um, so get quiet. And I would say, trust yourself, you know, because the self-doubt is coming from a lack of trust in yourself. You got to change the language of what you're saying to yourself. If you're sitting every day and you hear the language of you beating yourself up, try to get some control over that or some awareness of it even. Just be aware of the negative beating up that's happening because you can't trust yourself if that's the only language that yourself hears. Why would yourself trust you? Because you're beating yourself up all the time, right? Which is why I want acceptance first, not rejection of the excuses. Trust, try to change your language, right? Um, from can't to can. Like we talked about this in a podcast, fake it. <laughs> right. Fake it. Just give yourself different language. Um, you know, and if you can't change from can't to can, at least change it to fuck it. Okay, fuck it, right? Fuck it. Right, like, okay, I made excuses, I got quiet, I can feel the, the fear under there, I can feel all that gunk, I, I think it's my grandfather, and okay, I'm gonna, I wrote it out, okay, fuck it, right? Trust yourself, fuck it, jump off. Like I said earlier, I get mad, that really helps me. I get that mad. fuck it, trust yourself, that piece is so scary. It is probably one of the most terrifying things you can do as a writer, which is, all right, I'm gonna do it anyway right? The courage it takes to sit down, to work through that gunk, and then to, to, to get to the part where you trust yourself that you are a writer and that you have something to say and that the world does need your stories. And I think under, I can only speak from me, but like under all of my excuses, that's really what it is, is this fear, right? It's that I don't actually have something to say, mm -hmm. right? That I, that there isn't actually something wonderful at the other end of this, which is why when I'm in it, it's like, oh, I'm in it. Oh my God, this is, I am actually a writer, right? But it's sometimes it's, so I think it's that, um, it's the habit you have to get in. Meg, which you're so good at, like you sit down every day and you just write through it no matter well, because what. Because the and habit helps bolster that fear because it's now, have to the only have to is sit there and do it right it helps give support to that quivering of uncertainty and the lack the self-doubt it can sit it knows at least you are honoring yourself enough to do it um, and I think that's just so important and really some other things the reason I think these excuses come up that you have to stop is stop comparing yourself to other people um, maybe you did that as a kid because it was a way to motivate yourself. Maybe people tried to motivate you and taught your brain that that's the way to get motivation. I think it can be very damaging um, because there will always be somebody better than you. Always. And if you think you have to be the best, you got to go look at that. Because is that why you're writing? To be the best? Or are you writing to speak stories and talk about humanity and entertain? Why are you writing? You know, like I'm reading Hilary Mantle's new book. And I'm working really hard to not just throw in the towel of being a writer because it's unbelievably 
amazing. The language, I literally have to read like three sentences and put the book down because I'm like, oh my God, those three sentences, I have to sing it from the rooftop. Uh, but I'm trying to use it as inspiration that this writing exists in the world and this is her voice. It, she's not my voice. It's her voice and the, and the craft and the, the, and the ability that she has in her voice is so specific. It's so beautiful. So try to use other people, other writers, other artists as inspiration, not a way to beat yourself up and compare. Stop the blame game. Oh, it's my parents' fault. Oh, it's this fault. It's that fault. You have to start taking responsibility. You are no longer a child. Okay? You're out of your parents' house. You are now an adult. Take responsibility. And that might just be like, I think I spoke about this in a, in a different podcast, but in the word responsibility is the word response. Take responsibility that you can have a response. You're going to choose to sit down or you're not. Nobody's making you do that. And I understand, yes, it can be overwhelming and emotional, but it is for everybody. The difference is they're doing it. They're sitting there in the lava of the uncertainty. So evaluate why you can't. Come up with solutions that are specific to you that are going to help you. You know, parent yourself. Parent that scared part of you that is making excuses. If this was your best friend, what, 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 what solutions would you give them to stop, you know? Think about what your strengths are, you know? Work towards your strengths. Help those be part of your solutions, right? My strength is that I, I tried to figure out my solutions based on what I, I think I'm going to do every day. And my strength is I'm really good when I panic. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? It, the have to. I ha the have to. You give me a have to, I will do it. So yes. I create little have tos for myself, right? That's really hard and really critical. Like, uh, I had a script due. Meg, you'll remember this story. I had a script due, and um, my husband, uh, I'll get a little personal, my husband had a heart attack. And I didn't want to tell anyone. And I had to write a draft, and I did it. I mean, that's the biggest excuse I think I I've think had in a, a long time. I think that's a pretty big excuse. I think that's a pretty big My husband one. had a heart attack. You know, I mean, he's he's okay now, but like he was in the hospital. It was Mother's Day. I mean, it was it was a big it was a big event, and I had a script and I wrote it, and I think I did a really good job. You know, and um, uh, I had to. So the for me, the trick is when I don't have a have to, it's so hard to generate that little have to, right? You can you can do fake deadlines or hey, I'm going to send this script to so and so, but like I don't really have to. Right. So figuring out how to create that urgency and the deadline and, and the accountability real and, and the, the accountability. accountability. And I think we can we can figure out, like you said, the tricks, the external ones. But really, Meg, and you've talked about this a lot. It's that responsibility and accountability to ourselves. Right. Like generating it, sitting down and really like I have to because I don't have what else am I doing? What, what is my purpose, if not to do this? Um, so that, that, that writing that script in those circumstances really showed me that the other excuses I make are not valid yeah, I, or interesting. Yeah, Mother's Day and a heart attack is, yeah, nothing else is gonna, yeah, you have no excuses, <laughs> no, nothing. I mean, I do think it's good to create a plan. You know, they say, you know, bird by bird, if you're overwhelmed, just 
You don't have to write the whole script today. You don't have to do anything today, but okay, write for write that character talking to you. Like what you can take it a little bit at a time if the overwhelm is what's creating the excuses. Um, I also think I read, which I think is true, is celebrate the small victories because you know sometimes when you're going for a big goal, like be a screenwriter professionally, that's a big goal out there, right? Or write a great script or whatever it is. You know, that's a big goal, but you are achieving stuff along the way. Like you can beat yourself up because you're not there. But look, you've got to look at every day. Did you sit down and write? Achievement. More than 70%, 80%, 90% of the people who say they want to be writers did today. Because they didn't sit down and you did. Did you turn in your assignment at school? Did you turn in your assignment to to your writer's club? Did you close your eyes and say, I know this sucks, but I'm going to give it out anyways. All great achievements. You got it. You got to give yourself a pat on the back. Find friends who will remind you, pat you on the back, that those are all accomplishments. Um, Because you got to keep going. You got to look at at what you're doing well in order to keep going and not make excuses. Um, The other thing I wanted to say is that there is, I think, there is a time when the opposite of what we're saying is true, when making excuses or avoidance is actually trying to tell you something. And you, the, again, I'm, I'm going back to the only way you're going to know this is if you accept that you're doing it and sit quietly and really get real with yourself, journaling or whatever. Because sometimes, is it an indicator? Is it giving you the information that you don't really want it? Maybe you got on the path because that's what you thought you wanted when you were 20, or maybe, but actually you really want to be an actor, right? But this was like a way to be with actors, but not have to be an actor. Or, you know, is the avoidance really because you don't want it bad enough? And if it isn't, and you do really want it bad enough, and it is truly fear and self-doubt and all the other things, well then get into that want. Get into what you want. Think about your great day, not from accolades or ego, but from like what we were talking about, that day where it all starts to come and it's a story coming through you and these characters are going to exist in the world because of you and what you had to say and what you, that you sat down. You know, want it, long for it, take it. Um, do, you, do you think part of making excuses is maybe a fear of being afraid to want it? I do. I I think one thing that's resonated with me this whole time, and I just want to bring it up quickly because it might re- resonate with other listeners too. I think one of the excuses I make is the fear of proving people who doubt in my abilities right, um, like my parents or people who advised against chasing my dreams because of the risks. The fear of failing at this is proving them right um, in a way. And I think that can be an easy excuse to make. And I this really closely relates to that too many voices episode we already played so if you're having that feeling go listen to that episode but i think you know playing it safe not writing because you're almost playing it safe pursuing another path because you don't want to disappoint people who told you that chasing your dream was a bad idea Hmm. boy i would like to talk to the person who told you that chasing a dream is a bad idea it's It's never a bad idea does it mean you okay so i just want to say that person probably didn't chase their dream. So if you chase it and get it, it's a reflection on them. 
And you are not, no, you, not just you, but you, collectively you, are not living your life for that person. That right. person made their choices. They created their own life. It is no longer yours to hold for them. It is theirs to hold, and they're asking you to hold it for them. They might get jealous. Now listen, if you actually start doing it, they are going to get jealous, and they are going to come and start picking probably, and they're going to because it is threatening to them Mm. that you're succeeding and they're not. That is theirs to own. Don't take it on. Don't take it on. That's theirs to own. It has nothing to do with you. Zero. Zippo. What I care about is what you're choosing to do and what life you're manifesting because that the universe cares about. It chose you to do this. So it, it, it doesn't care about your uncle or your grandpa or whoever. They made their choices. They shut the door, right? And again, maybe for very good reasons. Who knows why they shut it, right? I, I don't want to judge that, sh- that on them. But I do judge them for trying to bring other people down, which is, you know, this is, I'm going to get on my soapbox now, because especially <laughs> for women, when people try to tell you, they try to, they're trying to take your power. They're, they're literally trying to take your power. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Dude, if that, and here's the problem, right? Here's the trick, right? Those people are now in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I had some people like that in my life who are dead now. It does not matter. I hate to tell you. It doesn't matter, because they live in my head. And you're right? letting them live there rent-free. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, thank you. Take a seat. Not interested. All you got to do is catch it when it comes up. Catch the thought and just name it. Call them a name. Whatever you want to do. Thanks, Shirley. No, thanks, Shirley. Right? No. And uh, I just feel passionate about this because too many people um, don't fulfill what they could because they've allowed them other people um to take their power. And I do think being afraid, I totally get being afraid of disappointing people. I have it. I, I have that disease too. Um, but boy, we got to let go of that because I don't think artists worry about that. Like if you think about the great artists, did Picasso worry about disappointing people? Maybe, but I doubt it. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the calling. The calling isn't to not disappoint people because right. great art often does freak people out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You're yeah. actually pushing the culture. Right. So it you're going to push the culture to something. So And how yeah. much worse to disappoint yourself? That's what it is. If the cost of disappointing others is to dis- of not disappointing others is to disappoint yourself, so tragic. It's such yeah, a good give point, that Meg. Up. Give that up, right? Yeah. Um no, I don't want you to disappoint yourself because all here's how you're not going to disappoint yourself. Try. Mhm. Try. Just try, just turn it in, just get the group. And yes, it's going to be a process. Guys, this is not magic. It is not like in the movies. It's a process and we're here with you in the process. Yeah, I think we say it every single episode of this podcast, which is it will suck. It will be hard. It will be painful. And then it will continue to suck. And it will not be brilliant right off the bat. And it will you'll get hard notes. And it will be painful. And you might cry and eat too many chips. Like it, okay, now I'm just talking about my personal experience again. And it's like, also going to be wonderful. And it's and also there, going yes. to be the best days of your life is yes. 
when you wrote that goofy little scene. And I, I freaking made myself laugh today. And I delighted myself, not because of me and my ego, but because of what these characters were saying. They made me laugh. And I didn't even know I wanted to say that. I didn't even know that was important to me. But then she said it. And I was like, oh my God, that is really important to me. So you have to just allow that to flow because it will be also awesome if you sit down and do it. Okay, so uh, question right. of the week is from Erica. Um, she's on a second pass of her screenplay. She did her vomit pass, and now she's jumping back in to refine and strengthen her words. I find myself wanting to add a lot of character and world nuance to scenes that are fairly simple. My question is about managing a desire for complexity, particularly in rewriting stages. Is there some strategy to deciding how much detail, not in scene description, but story and character motivation, is too much? So this is after the puke draft. So I just want to say a puke draft is a puke draft and you're probably going to do a lot of deep work still. So I'm not exactly sure. A question to me kind of forks into two because on one hand, let me say this. If you don't want to get notes on your puke draft because it's puke, I totally get that and I respect it. But then you have to take the onus of giving yourself notes. Like yeah. you're going to take that on now, right? You have to be the person who either walks away from it or gets some objectivity and comes in and is able to say, I, here's all my questions. Here's what I think isn't working. I'm missing that, blah, blah, blah. And then your next draft after the puke draft is a very beginning draft. It's like, okay, then what is the structure given that those are the notes and how am I going to fix this? And so it's deep work to me. It's deep co core concept engine work usually. So I, you're not anywhere near details in my opinion. Um, unless as a writer, that's how you get to the solutions, which I think is completely valid. If, if your brain works by needing to write a lot of details to get to the aha, oh, like you said, Lauren, you wrote four pages to get to the line. That's everybody's mm -hmm. process is everybody's process. But the first thing I wanted to say was, if you're really done with a puke draft, you're doing still doing deep, deep work um, that I don't think you're near like details and adding details to scenes necessarily. What did you think, Lorian? Well, it's sort of where I am right now, right? I did the puke draft and now I'm moving into my sort of first official draft that I hope to give someone for notes, right? To sort of ask me questions about. And I, what I'm doing is I really want to go into those scenes and noodle and noodle and do the complexity and the details, right? And the, the levels of complexity with relationships. Um, and I have to be done with that now so that I can finish the draft, right? It's, a, it's really fun to get sucked into that whirlpool of what is the background of these characters' relationship and how can I put the exposition in there that's really graceful and, you know, but, um, but I'm spending too much time in that when I really just need to know what the beginning, middle and end of the scene is what the characters want coming in and coming out so I know what the chunk of that scene is so I can move through the whole script, right? Because as I'm noodling each scene, I'm breaking things that I set up in other scenes, which just means I'm rewriting scenes I've already written instead of going all the way through the draft. Yeah, it's funny, um, right? Like the details can be avoidance fun. or they can be goals. Yes. And you have to decide, yes. and this is self-knowledge, Am I yes. really avoiding right now? <laughs> or... So what I realized, yeah, so what I realized this morning is, ah, I need to just now take out that four-page scene, 
put what I think the line is in this scene. I think this is the next scene. Beat, 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 and move into the stuff that I haven't addressed yet. Like, I just need to now figure out what the whole thing is. So I had my fun, and now I need to really look at the whole structure of it. And that's how I write. I feel like I write uh, from my gut a little bit more than story math. I wish I wrote more from story math. Like, I'm still trying to intellectualize some of that stuff. But I think it's... um got to figure out what your process is, trust it, um, and uh, you got to get through the whole draft. (laughs) Yeah, I know there's no way to know until, I mean, you know, yeah, if you wrote a puke draft that is that good that you can start doing details, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I generally, again, it might happen, like you said, Lauren, if you've been thinking about it actually for months and months and months, and it's, the puke draft has actually been fermenting for a long time, they can come out pretty clear. Um, But you know, and I think about, you know, the process that we did at Pixar, Lorian, where they you lump it out, you puke mm-hmm. it out, and then you're doing a script that then goes into incredible detail and in storyboarding, right? Like suddenly mm-hmm. all the details, and it would get filled up with details, and then it would go to edit, and they'd cut, 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 cut. Down to the bone. Right? And then you'd go and you'd screen, you'd get 300 sets of notes, and you'd go back to lump it out, write it out just to get the structure, the, the, the feeling, detail, detail, the detail, the details, cut, 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 right? So both are the process of writing, the details and the 30,000 foot, where are you going? What does she want? What are the poles of her character? That bigger stuff. And to me, it is a back and forth process of, I gotta go down, I gotta do the details, I have to get in. But okay, now I'm just wandering around, and this is because I don't know where I'm going. I got to go back up yeah. thirty thousand feet. I mean, we—I I think I've said this before, but in those Pixar brain trusts, all of a sudden Andrew Stanton would be pounding on the table: thirty thousand feet, thirty thousand feet, everybody up, everybody up, because we all got in the brain trust way down into the weeds of the details, right? And we've lost what we're doing. Like, what are we doing? What are we right. doing this for? Um, so it is a back and forth, but you know, to, to Erica's question specifically, um, do it if if you want to do your next draft after the puke draft and just putting in details, then take the time and do it and learn the process yourself in terms of did that help you, did that not, did it just thicken it up, right? Or did you need to do it because there was a detail that your brain is trying to show you that the only way it's going to show you is the wallpaper, right? You needed to know what the wallpaper was. Um, I mean, a little bit what you're describing sounds more like novel to me, but um, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know the specific thing. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think we answered the question? She can tell us, Erica. Can you tell us? Did we answer your yeah. question? I'm so curious what detail, like if it's not action, right? If it's more about character, like who put the wallpaper up and why, right? Is that is that what it is? <laughs> or is it Because now I'm character? interested. Right? Like, like, or is it, or is it that you have an archetype, and you're like, right. oh my god, it's an archetype, and this archetype needs details. She needs a detailed speech. She needs a detailed way of being. Her behavior. Yes, do all that work for sure. That's a mm-hmm. different kind of detail, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. All right. Well, I think that's it, guys. Thank you so much for being with us today. Go to the Facebook page and our Gmail account because we really like getting your questions. Um. Yeah, and uh, it's really fun on the Facebook page. I I love the community that's growing there, and uh, people are participating with each other. So it's super inspiring. So sometimes I go there, and someone has a really great question, and then a bunch of other people have answered it. And I'm like, awesome. Awesome. 
No, yeah. I know. It's I so great something. to see the other answers. Yeah. And that's the uh, yeah. Facebook group, not the Facebook page. I, that gets confusing oh, for oh, me sorry, too. Sorry. No, no, no. You're okay. Just want to make sure the fans know. We do have a Facebook page that's kind of dormant, but it'll link you to the group. So if you land on the page, make sure to join the group because that's where the action is happening. <laughs> So keep giving us feedback and tell us what you need. And remember, you are not alone. You're not alone. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash thescreenwritinglife or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it, and not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand.